Welcome to the Venture Church Podcast. This sermon was taken from the life of the church. For more messages like this, please see our website, www.venturechurch.co.za. We hope you enjoy this message. This is a Vision Sunday. We have, well, we plan to have four of them during the week. No, thank you. During the year, they are opportunities for us to focus on the things that the Lord, we believe, wants us to focus on for the year. And that's what this funny yellow sign and the, the slide is all about, because this is what we believe, as an eldership especially, the Lord has caused us, called us, and is focusing himself on to us and through us. And so I've really been meditating on this, particularly as the time is coming when uh, we are going to be going away again and seeking the Lord for what is his vision for Venture Church for 2024. It really struck me, though, as I was thinking about what the Lord had given us for this year, what a strong declaration it is. It's really in your face. It's hard to ignore what it's saying, living it up. In fact, it's so strong that that I think it can be offensive. How can we be living it up in the midst of the worst recession, it feels like, of living memory? Surely that's not even possible, and surely it's actually not godly to have that kind of vision in the midst of so much oppression, recession, challenge. If you haven't felt it, you know somebody who has felt it really deeply and impactfully, just how tough it is. It It is to be alive in South Africa at this time. And I don't think it just applies to us. This seems to be a a global phenomena. Things are really challenging. The vision sounds maybe frivolous. How can you live it up? Isn't that avoidance? Isn't that... It can be profoundly challenging to us, even to the point of being offensive. These are serious times. And isn't that what... Isn't that how the church should behave? Seriously? Well, if you have battled with that attitude, there there aren't actually a number of, there aren't more than a number of different options for how can that be. So the first one is, well, maybe the elders missed it. Maybe we missed, heard God. And this isn't what he was really saying to us. Maybe he was saying something else to us. So, Maybe I can share with you a little bit about how we believe we heard the Lord speaking to us. We started in the Scripture. We actually started with one specific Scripture. We actually started with one specific Scripture from one specific book in one specific translation of the Bible. And the Lord led us on from there. There was lots of... um, Lots of discussion that happened about it. But there was a sense of, ooh, the Lord's in this. He's, he, he's speaking to us. And each time we made a kind of mental step forward, we committed it to the Lord in prayer. And when we got 
to where we felt the Lord was taking us in that process, we then communally committed it to the Lord in prayer. I mean, I, I, even, I even remember saying to the, to the other guys, sure, I actually feel quite nervous of presenting this vision for the reasons that I'm, I'm, I'm going to be talking about or some of the reasons I'm going to be talking about. It makes me nervous to say to you, we should be living it up this year. It sounds really frivolous. It doesn't sound like a serious vision at all. But the more we talked about it, the more we prayed about it, the more we looked into the Scripture, the more convinced we were that we had heard the voice of God. And, and can, I, can I say this? If, that you, if you really believe that we missed it, why are you still here and still following us? Surely that's a lack of integrity. There's another possibility. If the elders weren't wrong, maybe the Lord was wrong. Skunder. So the, that statement, if it doesn't, it should, have immediately have offended you. How on earth could the Lord get it wrong? Well, obviously, He doesn't. But for some of us, who haven't had good human, natural role models in our lives of people of integrity, of people who are prepared to love us even when it hurts them, it's easy to live like inconsistently, like we don't really. It's fine. As long as God loves me when He's feeling like it, that's enough. Whoever that is, that is not the God of the Bible. The God of the Bible loves us even when it hurts. Even when it hurts so much, seeing His only begotten Son being crucified on a cross in our place. So it is possible to live believing that we believe that God is good and consistent always, but actually because of our own experience, we don't. You remember in previous weeks as we were looking at our identity. We had those two circles, and we said that the whole point of the series was to move our understanding and thinking and actual belief of ourselves closer so it's totally uh, engulfed by what the Lord says and believes about us. That's what I'm talking about now. So how do we work out what went wrong then, if those are our two main possibilities? Well, there's actually a third possibility, and that is nothing went wrong. That this is God's vision, that we did hear Him, and that this is what He intended for us. If so, it is still possible to be offended by this. And dare I say it, it's even more probable that we can take on offense because of just what a hectic thing God is saying to us. So let's go back to the scripture that he settled us on that is at the heart of this vision. Colossians 3, the first four verses. So if you've been raised with Christ, seek the things above where Christ is, Seated at the right hand of God, 
Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. For you died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. And can I take you on something of the journey that we went through to where we tagged this vision, living it up. Verse 1 says, seek the things above where Christ is, or seek Christ who is above. It's an imperative in Paul's in Paul's thinking. It's not accidental. At this point in the, in, when he's writing to the Colossians, it is essential, he feels, to remind people about keeping their eyes on Jesus. The phrase things above, which is referring to Christ, is the things of heaven. Just kind of unpacking this. So when he says, set your eyes on things above, he's talking about heaven. There is that uh, verbal imagery. We tend to think of the heavens as being above, because the heavens also, Old and New Testament, refer to the sky. And we look up usually to the sky, unless you're standing on your head. Is Paul telling us to be completely heavenly-minded? To be some kind of uh, spiritual ostrich with your head in the sand of reality? Or is he challenging us with something else? Because that, that, that kind of feels like a problem. After all, we live in this world, but Jesus has called us to really live in this world. John 10.10, 10. for this reason I have come that you might have life and life abundantly. So while we're living in this world, we are to live abundantly. And Paul's telling us that that abundant life is linked to Jesus and that we need to look to Jesus, who is in the heavenly realms, to look up. Part of our problem with understanding this is the language of heaven, what heaven means for most, of us, for most of us, the meaning that we've picked up about heaven. If you've seen any uh, of the great paintings or the great painters of the Renaissance especially, you will have this picture of heaven that includes fluffy white clouds on a beautiful sunny day and very chubby, well-fed little babies with wings. That, that one particularly amuses me because if you look, I mean, I, I mentioned earlier that I'm reading through Ezekiel at the moment. If you look at the picture of angels that the Bible gives, and Ezekiel's a great example of that, there's nothing fluffy, feathery, or generally chubby about them. Terrifying might be a better adjective to use. Overwhelmingly holy on fire, like the word that came to us earlier, on fire. So, but we, somehow we inherit, there are so many pictures, both in fine art and in, and in our language even, that talks and makes us think about heaven in that kind of way. But I think it's a really bad understanding of heaven. A better understanding of heaven is 
that it is the space fit for God. So this, this world, this space is fit for us. It has gravity. That's how our, how our bodies work. We work really well in this space. But we don't see God's manifest presence normally, naturally, all the time in this space. But there is a space where God's imminent presence is expressed without reservation all the time. Occasionally, that space breaks into our space. That space is called, in the Bible, heaven. So Jesus taught us to pray. Where is it? Uh, Matthew 6. He taught us to pray. May your kingdom come. May your will be done on earth as it, in brackets, already is in heaven. There is a reality that is eventually the whole of reality, according to Revelation 22, where heaven utterly invades earth. And the place where we feel comfortable, where we fit in, also is filled with God's space, where God fits in. And there are no more boundaries because there is no more sin. So, the things of heaven, the things where Jesus is enthroned already, is heaven, God's space. And I think that phrase, God's space, is a really helpful, because if we, otherwise if we start thinking of heaven as up there, then we start to think of it as being far away, whereas God's space is right here. It's closer than than you can get. It's closer than an up and a down quark. Nobody got that, my love. So we tend to think of heaven as being this ethereal. And if that's a, a new uh, English word for you, I couldn't think of a, a, a better word. But I, I did think of this as I was thinking about it. Ethereal could be made up of two other English words, ether and real thinking of a reality that is ether, that is vapor, that is insubstantial and by implication not really that real. There was a wonderful book that, well, he wrote many wonderful books, C.S. Lewis, but there's one that I read recently that I didn't know existed, and it's an allegory of those who make it to heaven. One of the most impactful things in that whole story is how he talks about the intense reality of heaven. So they eventually, they're on a bus, and the bus eventually arrives in this place that is the, the outskirts of heaven. And it's an enormous, vast, green field, beautiful. And the streams running through it, and there's a few trees parked out here. A welcome party comes to meet them. A little bit of poetic license. Just, it's, a, it's an allegory, it's a picture, it's not reality, it's not his theology. But as they step off the bus, they are in pain because the grass is so real that it's cutting through the unrealness of their flesh. And it's such a strong picture in my mind of God's reality is more real because we think of grass as being soft 
for those who are staying for the cook-off. Good on you. And it's not too late, by the way. If you want to stay and join part of the, you are most welcome. Some of us are going to sit on the grass. It's nice. It's comfy. Some of us might even lie on the grass. It's nice. It's comfy. It might even send us to sleep. But if the grass in heaven is so much more real that it feels hard because it's able to penetrate through what we think is real and insubstantial, that's the better way of looking at the difference between heaven and earth. Heaven is more real, not less real, more ethereal. So you could paraphrase this verse 1 as, Seek the things of God's space where Christ is already enthroned. And to do that, you need to keep your chin up. And that, 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 that gives a few hints. Paul is acknowledging, if this is what he's saying, which I believe it is, He's saying, stuff's going to come that makes you want to drop your head. When do we do that? When we've got to grind our way. Just the next step, just the next step, just the next step, just the next step. Whereas when we have our eyes up, we can see what's coming. In this case, what's coming is Jesus. Then we get a different picture. When we're looking at our toes, that's all we can see. There's very little place for hope. When we look up, we can say, oh, possibility. So we need to keep our eyes up because that's where Jesus is. Then verse 2 goes on and says, set your minds on things above. So he's repeating what he's kind of already said. The imagery of this verse leads us to live looking up. That is, looking to where Jesus is but it's also telling us to keep our chin up. And it's a very simple transition from live looking up to living it up. So that was very much our process. And hopefully you can also hear from that process something of how you can hear God for yourself. So this is one of the key ways that as believers we do hear God, especially for big important decisions. We start by searching the Scripture intentionally. Lord, speak to me. I need to make this big decision. I need to know what, the, the, what I should be focusing on. I need to know where I should be living. I have this, this sense or this circumstance that is speaking to me. You speak to me, Lord. Speak to me in the Bible. Speak to me in the Scriptures. Then when you see things, you know, how, you know that experience of when the Scripture jumps out at you? Prayerfully ponder the meaning of that scripture. In other words, allow the Holy Spirit to massage it into you. Allow him to show you what he's trying to say. Allow him to apply it to you. Then discuss that application. So share it with somebody super close to you. And if it's a big decision... Sometimes it can be really helpful to include your leaders in the discussion. I am not talking about you you now abdicate responsibility and you submit your decision to them. Actually, what you're wanting to do is get somebody else to make the decision for you. It's too tough. No, Jesus enables you to do it. But getting somebody else's perspective 
can be really helpful. And hopefully, the leaders in Venture Church can be really helpful to you. So include us as well, but not only. So discuss the application that God has given to you of the Scripture with those whose opinion matters to you. And then prayerfully embrace the changes of perspective that you receive from others whom you trust. So maybe God is speaking to you, but maybe God is wanting to tweak. You know, we all have these filters, even spiritually, that we apply when we hear even the voice of God. Oh, Lord, speak to me about marrying this person. <laughs> That's not an honest question. It's, okay, I want to marry this person. Lord, please tell me that it's okay. Because it's scary to say, Lord, I want to be married. I think this is the right person. I don't know why I'm choosing that as an example. I think this is the right person. And actually trusting God enough to say yes, to say maybe no. So that's, that's the process. And no, we didn't pray for, uh, for us getting married. We just prayed about what God was showing us in the Scripture, and that's how we came to this understand, this understanding that God called, is calling, and is still calling us to live it up in 2023. Hopefully you also understand or remember a little bit more of what it means to be living it up. It really means that thing of celebrating, living, looking to Jesus, and keeping our chin up. So there are still different kinds of responses that we can have to this vision. Just because you now understand it doesn't mean that you automatically want to embrace it. In fact, the first thing we can do, and it happens, sadly, more often than it should, is we can effectively ignore it. Wow, that was a great me meeting. Wasn't that graphic incredible? We have some wonderful, talented people in the life of the church who are capable of making great artwork for us. Wasn't that amazing? Didn't, wasn't a worship? What an amazing meeting. But practically, nothing changes. We don't embrace it. We can recite the scripture in the, in the Sunday morning meeting, but on Monday morning, we've forgotten all about it. And we couldn't, couldn't quote anything except maybe that morning's Forex rate. So it's a real thing that we practically ignore what we hear. It's a scary thing, but it is a, it's nonetheless a real thing. There's also another possibility that we choose to ignore it. No, I don't want to do that. Well, you do have the right to say no. But if this is what God's saying, that's not setting yourself up for success. The second option is we embrace it. This makes me think a little bit of... The, the parable of the sower and the seed, the soil that was 
that was shallow, that was rocky. It says, these are those who receive the word with joy. Uh, but when it comes time to put it into practice, paraphrasing, then uh, there's no root and it withers up. So we can embrace it enthusiastically and deeply, but we can then wait passively. Okay, God, this is awesome. When are you going to do it? So I've, I've actually prayed about this quite a bit because I've had some real sense that God wants to pour out His Spirit upon us because this has been the imagery, the language that He's been using with us. We've had several words about new wine and new wineskins. This is a picture of God wanting to do something different and pouring out His Spirit upon us in a way that is a different experience for us. There's nothing new under the sun, but His mercies come new to us every morning. They're not new, objectively. They're new to us. They're new to our experience. God's been wanting to do this. And as I've been asking the Lord about this, I remember sharing it with somebody and them saying to me, you do realize as a leader that God does his own thing. And he doesn't always use you to pioneer the new thing that he's doing. Your responsibility as a leader is to make sure that you enable, that you position, that you help, that you endorse what God is doing. And as a result of that, I really felt I heard the Lord saying, Come, let's stand together on the banks of the river, hand in hand, and jump in together, or step in together. Not, okay, let's, let's see what Francis does. Let's see how God moves on Francis, when actually God is moving on you. Let's stand hand in hand on the bank of the river and step in together. And if God uses you, then my responsibility is to facilitate what he's doing through you. This is what the priesthood of all believers means practically. So we can embrace it together. So what was it that God was wanting to say to us? I've already given you one thing. But I really believe, because he gave us, he spoke to us about this in November last year, and we hadn't realized just how tough this year was going to be. So I believe that he gave us this vision because he knew the circumstances of 2023 were going to require us to be intentional about keeping our eyes on Jesus. So it wasn't because it was going to be all hunky-dory. It was because it wasn't going to be easy and because we were going to need the reminder to keep our eyes on Jesus, to keep living it up. And I really believe that it wasn't accidental that we chose that phrase, which is a party phrase. Because God wants us to thrive in the midst of challenging circumstances. But He knew they were going to be challenging, and so he knew we needed the reminder to be looking up, to be living it up. He doesn't want us to just, just survive. I've reflected a lot on the uh, 2020 and 21, 
when we had so much lockdown and COVID was rampant, I've reflected a lot on our corporate, not just us as Venture Church, but us as Christians, as South Africans, as Gautengalengas. What has our attitude been? Because it, it genuinely surprised me. As I've talked to people in other parts of the world, there was genuine fear people were coming to Christ because there was real fear, I'm going to die. What happens? That was not the South African response. The South African response was, let's ring the wagons and let's lager down. Because something good's going to happen eventually. There was not a turning to Jesus. In fact, those forefathers, I'd love to say our forefathers, but unfortunately my forefathers were wearing red. Those forefathers, moving on, those forefathers, <laughs> those forefathers didn't just ring the ox wagons. They also turned to God immediately. But that's not what we did corporately as South Africans through the COVID pandemic. We put our heads down and we just slogged through it. That was not God. God is calling us to live it up, to lift up our eyes, fix them on Jesus, who is already seated in heavenly realms. I also just want to talk briefly about what I meant by this is an offensive vision. I, I touched on a few little bits here and there. It's offensive because it's audacious. It flies in the face of conventional wisdom. I've already talked about that, so I'm not going to talk any more about it. It feels like it's ignoring the reality around us. But I think I've already touched on how it isn't. God is confronting that in us and saying, I've got so much more for you. Even the words that, that came, the ocean of love, that even if we take everything that we're capable of, of the love of God, you're not going to notice a drop in the level. Or maybe it's actually something more personal that it challenges us that we need to move outside of the comfort zones we've established for ourselves. And therefore, it's offensive. We can also take offense on the part of others. Maybe a family member or somebody you know well has been seriously hit by the financial... Maybe they've lost their business. Maybe they had put all their um, life savings into their business. And because of some circumstance, and I've heard of some very trivial circumstances that have sunk businesses... They've gone under, and you've taken on offense because of that. And this vision, you're offended by it because it feels like God doesn't care for that person. I have to tell you something. God is offensive. He's offensive in that he does what he wants, the way he wants, when he wants. 
God is offensive in that he does what he wants, the way he wants to do it, when he wants to do it. Do not hear that he's just arbitrary. The Scripture is very clear that he tells us. And that's why it's important to be looking to Jesus, because he does tell us what he's wanting to do, when he wants to do it. But it can be easy to to take on offense when God doesn't do what you want, the way you want, when you want it. Lord, I need money now. And he sends you food. And you can be offended. You can easily take on offense because of that. I need to tell you a couple of things about offense, though. Offense cannot be given. It can only be taken. We take offense. It's not ignoring the fact that there are situations and circumstances that can be causes for us to take offense. Luke 17.1, Jesus tells us that. Reasons for offense will come. Jesus telling us. One of the promises that you don't hear um, repeated often. Reasons for offense will come. A sermon series by Francis Judge. Guaranteed nobody's coming to service that Sunday. Not one of Jesus' more popular promises, but he's wanting to prepare us for reality. Our challenge is to prevent them taking root. I remember when I was... uh, a younger, younger and a younger Christian, saying that you can't stop the birds flying over your head. So every now and then, you might get pooped on. But you can stop them nesting in your hair. That's what I'm talking about. Reasons for offense will come, but you just mustn't let them take root. That's our real challenge. The gospel is fundamentally offensive. First of all, it tells us we're sinners. It's been one of the great challenges of the presentation of the gospel over the last 10 or 15 years. We've tried to make it easier to share, more acceptable. And sometimes we've dumbed it down so much, it's no longer the gospel. The gospel is inherently offensive. It tells you, it tells me, we are sinners. But that's not all it tells us. It tells us that God has made provision for us. So now it becomes offensive in a different way. No, you can't be your own Savior. There is only one. There is only one. That's also super offensive. I want my own designer religion. It offends us on so many different levels. And so when we hear God telling us, I want you to live it up, to really live, we can be super offended by that as well. If we haven't settled in our hearts that Jesus is not just our Savior, He is our Lord. He wants us to thrive because He is greater than our circumstances and the circumstances of the entire world. He wants us to live it up, 
to be a witness that he is Lord of all circumstances. It's not even just about you. Even more offensive. Jesus saves you because of somebody else. Doesn't mean that he doesn't love you. I mean, he affirmed us so wonderfully in the words this morning. Even with challenging us. But he, he challenged us so that we would hear just how much he loves us. So, in conclusion, what have I said? I don't believe that we missed God in the vision for 2023. Living it up is not just a fancy catchphrase. It's the desire of God for Venture Church. Sometimes, when he leads us, we can just let what he says just kind of slip away. Sometimes I have this thing where I feel like in one ear, out the other, which is not how ears work. But sometimes it practically feels like that. He wants us to be engaged and on board. And just like the cook-off that you can join now, if you're still breathing, God can change you and he can intervene in your circumstances. It's only when you're dead that it's too late. There is nothing that you have done that Jesus is not able to make a difference. He doesn't, he finds you there, but he doesn't leave you there. You lifted me out of the miry clay, out of the miry pit, Psalm 40. John sang it a couple of times this morning. We also pick up, it's easy for us to pick up offense through God's timing. <laughs> Why, O oh Lord? Is a day like a thousand years to you? Don't you know we're in a rush? The truth is that sometimes a thousand years are like a day as well. And he draws us into his timing. The issue is, is he really Lord of everything? It's not wrong to ask the question. It's where do you stop and what is your conclusion? None of this ultimately changes what he wants us to be and what he wants to do for us. He wants to bless us and to make us a blessing. You can't have one without the other. Thank you for listening to this sermon. We would love to know how this message spoke to you. Please connect with us through our website, www.venturechurch.co.za or through our various social channels.